Welcome to Cruise. So glad you're here listening in. All right, now that the formalities are over, our main verse of the past couple months or weeks has been James 1, 2 through 4. And I'm going to read it one more time before we're done with this series. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, talking about us, whenever you face trials of many kinds, or storms, because you know that the testing of your faith, you guys know, man, that when you walk through storms, it tests your faith. That's what we talked about last March. When Jesus sees you go through a storm, he says what? WTF. Where's the faith? Because our storms, they test our faith, and it produces perseverance. And look at what James, the brother of Jesus, tells us to do. He says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I want to pray before we dive into tonight, and then we'll continue. God, I thank you for the opportunity we have just to be here. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be more present than ever. God, I pray that there would not be a student who leaves this place uh, without a friend and without hope. God, I pray that, Lord, whatever storm they're facing, God, I pray that you would offer them your presence and you would offer them peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We saved the storm of suicide for last because... I mean, let's be honest, a lot of people deal with fear, worry, anxiety, loneliness more than they deal with suicide. But we got to have this conversation, and I need you guys to listen up. We have to talk about this. I know in a lot of circles, this subject is taboo. I know for a lot of people, and to be honest, since you've been there, you're scared to bring it up again because your brain has developed a trigger. So every time you hear the word, you have to flee. But if we don't offer truth to your situation, you will stay in bondage. And we have to talk about this because this subject of suicide, suicidality, suicidal ideation, and suicidal thoughts is so prevalent among our world right now. Because the truth, and we're going to put a lot of this on screen, but every 40 seconds, somebody commits suicide. Which means by the time I shut up, 30 people would have taken their life. 30 people, in an effort to end their pain, will end their life. And the sad reality of suicide, and let me go ahead and just say it like this. Um, three years ago, I had no idea why somebody could get to that place. And then you guys have heard my story a little bit, and now I understand. So for those of you guys who don't know, there's a difference between having a desire to kill yourself and thinking about suicide. Because it usually doesn't start out as just some, I want to end my life. A lot of times it starts out. Just trying to figure out how to escape the pain you're dealing with. And a lot of times what will happen is you progress from anxiety, depression, fear, and all these things. And you begin to find all these escapes, whether it's drugs, whether it's sex, whether it's social media, whether it's eating. I, like That thing can be an escape. Come on, somebody. DQ blizzards are my escape. And D, uh, Holy Spirit, Jesus, JC, and DQ. Those, 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 and my wife and my kid. Anyways, I'm off topic. But so many people, when they begin to deal with this, it doesn't start on that, that crazy side of suicide, right? It starts small, and then it begins to build. And when you begin to realize all these escapes that you're running to actually are a dead end, you begin to go somewhere else. And like a game of pinball, it comes to a point to where you've tried everything in the world, but then it just, it sinks to a place of, well, what if I wasn't here? A lot of times it doesn't start with the desire to hurt yourself. You begin to flirt with the fantasy of what if. Like, what would it be like to not feel this anymore? Imagine a world where you didn't have to feel pain anymore. Like, imagine a world where nobody knew. Like, imagine a world where people weren't blasting your stuff, your mistakes that you already feel horrible about on Instagram and Snapchat. Like, what if, what if I can actually escape and find peace? 
And the problem with suicide nowadays is that it's not just common, it's contagious. In 1774, there was a book that was written by a guy named Goethe. And he wrote a book, and it was called The, the Sorrows of Young Werther. And in the book, he told a story that was kind of like a parable, but it was a true story in the book, of a guy that was in the same situation many of us are in. He likes a girl, and the girl don't like him back. So young Werther, he does everything in his power to try to get the girl. Right? He sends her flowers, he writes notes, he does everything in his power, and nothing works. And you've got to think, for this, for this guy, man, he's young, he gives everything to this girl, and she wants nothing to do with him. And if you guys have ever been in that situation where you put all of your eggs into one basket, and that basket actually has a hole in the bottom, and everything falls out, you know that. What do you do now? And so young Werther being rejected by the woman of his dreams in an effort to end his pain, he got a 45 revolver, stuck it to his temple, and his pain was done. But so was he. And when the book was released, uh, the suicide rate in that county and in that city skyrocketed. Like, sky, like this is, it goes from fantasy to real flipping life. Suicide rates are blowing out of proportion. You know why? Because Goethe, in his book, he finally acknowledged the pain that people were walking through. They felt empathy. They felt seen. They felt acknowledged for the first time ever. They didn't have to hide anymore because their pain was public. But he didn't give them a better way. He gave them an escape, and they took it. And people are taking it every single day. Every 40 seconds. You know the number one killer for people between 15 and 24? Suicide. Suicide kills twice as many people than murder does. And the problem, the reason we have to talk about it, is that was not just back in the 1700s, it's now. And it's more prevalent, and it's actually celebrated. And I'll be honest, I, I know a lot of people want to know why, you want to understand. You can ask anybody who's been through this, a lot of people, they don't want to end their life, they're just desperate to end their pain. And they just don't know how. They try everything, and they realize the world God set up, the only way to end their pain is his way of escape, through him, but... That's usually the back burner, so they try everything else until they come to the end of themselves, and the only thing left is they're already dead inside, so why not be dead on the outside? And I'm not going to bore you guys with my story anymore, but you guys may be thinking, number one, like, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I've been through. And I don't claim to know. I can understand, but I have no idea what it's like. To be 14 years old and have your daddy beat you to the point where he don't, he's tired of you so he leaves and now you have to be the man of the house at 14. You don't even know how to be a son. I have no idea what it's like to have the worst moments of my life that you regret blasted for the entire world to know and you can't even get it back because Snapchat is a screenshot and it's done. I have no idea what it's like to deal with the pain of having parents who were put on this earth by God to love and all they did was hate and abuse. I don't know. But I can understand why you want to end it. But the good news is the reason we're here the reason this is so serious, the reason I've committed my flipping life to this thing, the reason these leaders are here, because there is somebody who does. His name is Jesus. And Jesus, you guys need to know, like we talked about, he went through every storm imaginable under the book because if Jesus was not exempt from the storm, it's neither than you. So if you can't escape it, embrace it. But how? Jesus comes to the end of his life. He's in this garden. The garden is called Gethsemane. That word literally means an oil press, depression. He literally was so depressed to the point that he contracted a disease called hematihydrosis. Y'all say that, hematihydrosis. It's where these sweat glands in your body burst, and what comes out is not sweat, it's blood. Jesus Christ on his deathbed, literally, he's about to go to the road to the cross before he was taken by the Roman army. He's praying to his father, God, I can't do this. 
take this from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And he was in a place of such emotional agony and torture that he began to sweat blood. But the Bible says because of the what? The joy set before him endured. James, his brother, who witnessed his brother die, said the same thing. Consider it joy. Take on the same mindset because of the joy set before him endured. You need to understand that there is joy before you. I know it's hard to be happy, but joy is better. Because when it, whatever is happening is over, so is your happiness. But there is joy for you, and a lot of times it's before you. And it's when you stop trying to escape and you take a moment and you have the courage to embrace what's before you because somebody has went before you. And the Bible says this about Jesus, and then we're done. It says this in Isaiah 53, and it's talking about Jesus. This is a prophecy about what Jesus is going to do, and it says this. Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried, talking about Jesus. It was our sorrows that weighed him down, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our decisions, our mistakes. He was beaten so we could be made whole. That's that integrity word, so you can be so whole. That fulfillment you're looking for. He was beaten so we can be made whole. He was whipped so we can be healed. The truth of the gospel is because Jesus died, you can live. You need to hear me wherever you are. Look me in my face. If you're dealing with this, you need to understand you will live. You matter. You matter to me. You matter to us. This is family. Because we've been conditioned in this world, we don't know how to have unity because our world doesn't. So how, if our masters and teachers don't know how to, how will we resemble it? So I know there's drama, but we get it from our mama. You know what I'm saying? And I mean like the people who've gone before. It's not our actual mama. Some of you, I'm sorry, you're not as blessed in that area as I am. But you matter. You will live. And there is better for you. There's better for you. And if you've never dealt with this before, understand there's somebody around you. So let these words provide empathy to your soul. Because Jesus looked at the people that, like he said, were like sheep without a shepherd. And it said that he was moved with compassion. The Savior of the world was so moved because of the brokenness of his people. You need to understand that Jesus weeps over your situation. He sees the tears that you're weeping in private because you're too scared to talk about, because you don't want to be a burden to anybody else, but you're dying under the burden that you put on yourself or that this world, or that your parents, you need to understand there is better for you. And so wherever you are, before we break up and go into cruising and go into our conversation up here, you need to understand two things. One, Jesus is present in your pain. He is present in your pain. I know you can't see it, but embrace it. Stop looking around and look to the Father. He is present in your pain. Even in the presence of your problems, there is peace possible for you. Because Jesus has said that he is the wonderful counselor. I know you might not want to see a counselor, but there's a counselor in your bedroom, in your spirit. Because if you are a child of God, he's in you, and he is the wonderful counselor and the prince of peace. There is peace possible. So if you haven't experienced it, consider the storm an adventure to find it. Because what you're going to soon see is when you get through this storm, because every storm must pass, your storm will become your story. So the people coming around you will look to you and say, how in God's name do you have peace? Because I know the Prince of Peace. And number two, do not face it alone. For the love of God, tell somebody. Somebody you trust. Somebody who's not going to blast you. Somebody who's not going to expose you. Do not face this alone. You are not wired by God to do this alone. God, in his perfect world, everything was good except the fact that man was alone. In Genesis 2. So he created a helper. You have not just a helper in Holy Spirit. You have a helper here. You have leaders. There are counselors. I have so many people on speed dial. At one point, I had three counselors. And it wasn't even my wife or my pastor. Because the truth is, you, the Bible says it takes a village to raise you. And it's time to allow yourself to be seen. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to pray.
And if you are a sixth grade guy, a girl, or seventh grade guy or girl, we're going to release you to cruise. And the one thing I ask more than you've ever done before, be vulnerable and be open and listen. If you don't understand, lean into empathy and try to understand. Look them in the face, look them in the eye, and don't interrupt them, but listen to them because they deserve to be heard. Because they're a child of God and they're struggling. And you could be the thing that helps them. And if you're dealing right now and you're trying to cope, be open. Find somebody you trust. And when they come to you, listen. Don't solve it. Listen. Face it with them. Because you know, Jesus doesn't stop every storm, but he is there in the midst of it with you. So God, I I pray right now for every single person in this room that when the storms of this life comes, they would not only sense your presence, but they would be filled with your peace. Holy Spirit, I pray that this would be the safest place in the world for them. God, I pray in their crew, God, that there will be such a a safe uh, uh, culture to where they are so free and they're even emboldened to speak up and find freedom. God, I pray for every person who's scared, every person who's petrified to speak up, who's scared to tell their parents because they won't believe them, who's scared to be open because they don't want to be looked at as the weird kid. God, I pray that they would put all that aside and God, for one time, they would actually see that they deserve to be heard. And I pray for healing, wholeness, and better in Jesus' name.